In the fast-paced world of attacking, speed is everything. And that's where the Furon 7 Plus shines. Engineered for accuracy and precision at a rapid pace, it's your secret weapon on the pitch. Experience overall comfort and precise striking, even in the game's fastest moments. The nylon outsole, with its V-shaped stud configuration, is designed for firm ground, giving you the grip you need to outmaneuver your opponents. Step up your attacking game and learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right. Good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal, 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 Hannibal. Mr. Dot Commer on WEEI.com. Oh, first one in a while, and uh, there's been some new Patriots news. Usually this is the dead time of the NFL calendar, but the Patriots have some lingering player issues, so to speak, that are still up in the air. Uh, we'll start with Stephon Gilmore, who still doesn't have a new contract, is upset by not having a new contract. Spoke with Josina Anderson, and it was a little interesting with what he said. I guess, what was your take on Gilmore talking to Josina Anderson? Well, first of all, I think we need to apologize to the listeners because I believe our open has Bill Belichick chanting, no days off, and we uh, we took weeks off, I think, around the 4th. Two weeks. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so was everybody else. I mean, and, Right. Yeah, find it, another it, Patriots podcast that's still, you know, doing stuff this time. Right. Um, okay, so the... The Gilmore thing, nothing really changed. I mean, isn't this what we've – I mean, he put words to it. I just want what I'm worth. But that's all we've talked about is that he believes there's a certain value for him to to go to work, and that value is north of the $7 million remaining on his contract for this year. And we know he cares about where he's slotted because he, you know, had the the retweet or whatever of the CBS – graphic with you know the average annual value of cornerbacks and him not being on the list and all that blah 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 um so it's really not changed the one thing that i think was interesting is and i don't know if you actually have the tweet in front of you when he kind of alluded to his health as to whether he'd be ready or maybe i won't be ready like i already feel like both sides can paint a picture here of his health is a reason he's not there. His health is a reason he's not on the field. And he, you know, to go way back 20 years when Terry Glenn manipulated a hamstring injury in terms of when he was or was not on the field. Um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Justin Anderson said on, if he'll be ready hundred percent for training camp quote, we'll see if I need to be, but I also don't want to push it. So what does that mean? <laughs> If you, you need to be like, we'll get into Nikhil Harry later, but technically you need to be it, like, that's your job. You're under contract. So if you're going to honor your contract and you're healthy, you'll be on the field. I just think it's already painting a gray area as to, Oh, yeah, like, I think more- he's trying to use the injury as like an excuse. If he's not on the field, the first day of training camp, when in reality, it's actually a contract. So it's kind of like, 
both sides. He's trying to give himself like more leverage. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if it's leverage or just continuing to delay the process. Yeah. Pussyfoot through a holdout, almost like Bill did. Well, we had some weather and I didn't take attendance. It's like, well, no, he's not here. Like both sides seem afraid to say, yeah. Speak of which like that weather thing, what the hell was he doing? Like what, what, what purpose did that even serve? I think it's typical. I think both sides are afraid to go all in on this being like a contentious holdout where, and they both are finding ways to kind of manipulate the information to soften the blow. Cause it is like, I don't know, like he's a year removed from being the defensive player of the year. He's in the midst of a holdout against Bill Belichick, a, you know, the marquee team on the marquee coach and that whole thing. And it's getting no, it has no buzz. No one cares. There's no, any, and I know we're in the dead period. Nothing's changed though. Nothing's changed, but that's the point. Nothing's changed. And a guy who a year ago, a year removed from being the best defensive player in football is saying, no, I'm not playing unless you F you pay me is what he's saying. I just think it's weird that it's got no, no traction, no, but if anything, it should be maybe one of the biggest stories of this dead period. Because I just think most people just think it's going to get resolved before training camp. Like that's kind of what I, how I feel. Like, I think everyone just assumes like, Oh, they'll work something out. Like those, because it hasn't seemed overly contentious. Would you agree? Even still. No, I know. But what does that even mean? Like, does it have to be contentious? Not all holdouts are contentious. Like, do we need somebody to throw kerosene on it? The reality is he's typical of him where it's like, wait, did he just say that? Did he just say something cocky and you're not quite sure? Mm. Like, is he basically saying, if you pay me? Do you think he would actually hold out and then face whatever the fine is? Not, not a small chunk of change either. Well, is he holding out if he might not be healthy? Well, then don't they have to put him on PUP? Maybe, but I just think that's the out. And maybe that's even already a negotiated out. Like your knee can be the reason you're not here. That's how we'll get around not having to fine you, whatever it is, $50,000 a day. I just... right. But how hard is it just to sit down and say, we'll give you an extra $5 million? Well, that's fine. But if he says $5 million this year and then a guaranteed 15 for next year, like everybody's assuming that. Everybody, I I wrote this column. We were all dead wrong that he was going to be traded. Mm. What if we're now all dead wrong that this is a nice, easy, simple fix with X million dollars tacked on? If he does that, his career is over. He's not getting at 32 next year, he's not getting. You know, I saw the, the the contract that's now been bandied about is just Darius Slay, which yeah. all along I have in my head said three years, 50 million. Like it made sense. Like that's what I'd want if I were him. It's not ridiculous, crazy money, but it's still the kind of money that, no, I'm a top end corner. I don't care that I'm 31. I'm a top end corner. And now we have a number. If he really wants that with 28 million guaranteed, let's say, that's a big difference than just giving him a $5 million bump for this year. I think if he would settle for a five or a $7 million bump this year, easy, done, no problem, come on. But I don't know how willing he's going to be to use his hammer and push the situation and how much he wants. Because if he just does the one-year deal this year, that's it for him. I'm sorry, a 32-year-old corner is not signing for three and 50 next year. What if he adds another great season, though? He's still 32. He can't get past 
There aren't. You know, you know there's another dumb, not another like Las Vegas Raiders like team that would give him that contract that needs a cornerback that is contending and needs, you know, a, a, a not a, maybe a, the NFL defensive player of the year, but a good solid number one cornerback. I think he could still get paid next year. It's the NFL. I never underestimate the stupidity of the 32 combined teams in various ways. So maybe. Um, but even I, him, if Gilmore, like he's not coming off of a great end of the season. He had the quad injury. He obviously right. wasn't the same player. So it's kind of like you're asking for a deal from what you did two years ago. Right. And you'll be further removed from that next year. And maybe you're coming off a great year. Or maybe you're coming off a weird year in which you were really good when you were on the field, but maybe you were dinged up again and missed four or five games. And I just, I think it gets harder and harder the more he's into his thirties. And I, I, that's why if I were him and I were really felt strongly about this, you use the hammer now. And I even joked about it yesterday on our, on our station. I also think he has a weird, um, anecdotal or emotional hammer in the Brady game being week four, like, this rebuilt team and everybody thinks that game is so important and it's going to affect who plays quarterback and who does this. If I were him, I would try to subtly um, let Bill know. Yeah, Bill really going to be interesting when you face that guy Brady in week four here at Gillette stadium. Well, I kind of think his camp's already trying to go that route. Did you listen to Jeremy Fowler at all last week? Uh, yes. A little bit. Like there was some reference to like, that game and the Patriots, you know, don't really want to go into that game with just JC Jackson at cornerback. Like I think his camp is kind of already starting to point to that game as sort of to give themselves some levers by saying, Hey, you kind of need my client going into this game. And I think it's legitimate. I mean, it's Brady, it's Chris Godwin, it's Mike Evans. Like that's a good receiving core. And you're going to go out there with, you know, JC Jackson, Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills your top three corners or, or however you do. I just, I don't know. I think that's a little, it's not a huge factor, but it's a little secondary factor in this whole discussion. I just, I think it's interesting that we are now, whatever we are, 14 days away from the first practice, 11 days away from him having to report. And will he report? Will he practice? Is, is this going to be, you know, Christian Fourier, when I was on with him yesterday, he thinks this is going to be, because it's been so uh, amicable or whatever that it'll continue, he'll show up, he'll practice for a week, he'll rehab, and then like first week of August, they'll announce that they've done something to his deal, which could happen if that's really how friendly this is or non-contentious. But I said to him, well, what if he tears his ACL? In well, like I was just, just going to bring up, is he reporting as like maybe he goes to the lower fields like these rehabbing right. players do, so he's not really like risking doing an injury? Yeah, because I, I mean, you're right. It wouldn't make any sense for him to, without his contract, to go full out on practice, and then who knows what happens if you, like you said, tear your ACL? Then he's forked. Right, right. So, I don't know. I just, I, I do find it interesting how much everybody assumes it'll get done. Oh, it'll just be a one-year band-aid. They'll give him some money. How much? And and like, would you be stunned if he were traded? Not stunned, but I'd be surprised. I would be too, because. Part of the reason I think he has the leverage is, you know, I, you overpaid everybody all offseason. You overpaid two tight ends. You overpaid a wide receiver. You overpaid an outside linebacker. You know, you're trying to retool on the fly here. And Robert Kraft is saying, I expect to compete every year. And your best player, your best returning player, arguably, you're looking to nickel and dime and 
Can you trade him away? I actually think this ties into one of the, the biggest, latest news story in the NFL that Richard Sherman is apparently in jail on domestic burglary or whatever the charges are. Because I he's like the biggest name veteran cornerback still out there. And I maybe he would have been an option if things go south with Stephon Gilmore. Maybe you try to do a Band-Aid with Richard Sherman, even though I don't think it's a great fit necessarily he may no longer be an option. So you one of the top names on the veteran cornerback market um, may be taken out of the mix because of off-field issues. So that could even give a little teeny hint more leverage to Stephon Gilmore and trying to get him happy and get him in camp. So to wrap this up with Gilmore, it feels like he he's not okay with that one-year Band-Aid type thing. And the Patriots kind of want that. And that's where they're beating. That's where they're butting heads is Gilmore wants an extension. The Patriots probably don't want to give it to him. They're not saying they're, they wouldn't do it next offseason, but they kind of want to see how he is this year, how he plays, how the quad is and all that. So that's where they're, they're butting heads. Yes, and if they're both digging into those stances, then I think you got a problem. Yes. And I, I wrote the column this week. People are just idiots, so nobody agrees or whatever, but I like to fight people. I think their season could hinge on this contract negotiation. I really do, because I think for them to be good, their defense has to be really good. Mm-hmm. And, oh, he's not a quarterback. I know you're not going to get good quarterback play this year. At, your best case scenario is like average quarterback play. You're if you're going to win games, you're going to need a really good defense. And he's the best player on the defense at the most important position. Belichick defenses have always had a great number one corner. I just if he's not on the team under contract playing at a high level, I think that could derail your season before it even starts. Oh, I agree. I think they go from a team that's firmly in the playoff mix to a team that's fighting or a playoff spot. And that's not where you want to be given what you did this off season, who you have, who you're bringing back. Like that's, he's very important to what they want to do. And that's why I don't think just the bandaid is going to get it done, but I don't know if you can do a bandaid extension of some sort where it's not maybe on paper. It says it's a three year 50, but they could potentially cut them next off season. If yeah, something like that and have some dead money moving forward when the cap, goes up again and right you know brady had what 13 million in dead money yeah like i don't think yeah. gonna, they want to go that high but no but if it's you know, you five can, million that's okay they can eat that right manipulate the numbers a little bit to get it done um on a you know voidable multi-year extension blah 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 something something all right uh Nikhil harry um last time we talked he hadn't requested a trade his agent <laughs> his agent put out that bold dumb statement that i think like did not help his client in many regards like i think the, the entire nfl knew that Seth, i mean Nikhil harry was on the trade market nobody really came calling around the draft i thought the statement like threw the patriots under the bus by not using him properly like we sat down with the patriots tried to devise a plan like what you're saying you're smarter than josh daniels and bill belichick like it was just very odd yeah i thought the bigger issue trade trade not who cares um the bigger issue is what you just referenced, like this sort of insinuation that we need to tell you how to use my client to get the most. Like, Unstoppable in college, I think it said too. Who the bleep does he think he is? Right. It, I mean, this is it's a this is a leap here, but this is like asking for the Randy ratio. Remember the old Vikings? Like they yes. wanted to get the ball to Randy Moss X times again. Right. No, Nikhil Harry stinks. <laughs> he needs to get over the pointing of the finger. Because you know whose fault it wasn't? Cam Newton's, even though his speed king coach wanted to point fingers at Cam Newton, but then may or may not have actually said that in that whole Henry McKenna piece, whatever. But 
oh, is it Tom Brady's fault? Did he blacklist him? Is it this guy's? You know whose fault it is? His. He's not that good. He's not good enough. And he needs to get better if he wants to have any NFL career. And the fact that he's insinuating, like you said, oh, it's Josh McDaniels. It's the offense. It's no, 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 it isn't. It's and you remember that um, story? When did it come out now? In the was it this winter when he made like weird comments about like, you know, I'm just oh, because he was opening a gym or something. I think it was right after the season. And he said like. Oh, I don't, I'm not really worried. I don't really care. I just do what I can and play video games. Or, like it was a very strange comment. Yeah. It was asked, I think it was asked about like, do you compare yourself to like the other receivers that were taken, you know, in your draft class? Like, is it frustrating? And he gave off like a vibe, like he didn't really care. Right. But you do care. Cause you're having, this is a little bit like your agent has to now talk for you. And like, this is like sending your parent to school to talk to the coach. Cause you're not playing enough or you're not getting this that's what this is a modern version of that you hear all these high schools mm-hmm. where the coaches either quit or complain about they deal with parents bitching about playing time that's what this is except instead of his dad it's his agent bitching about um, and then the citing of stats like 84 targets well what about receptions what about yards yeah. what about touchdowns like what about your anyone who watches you says huh you're not really that impressive you don't really wow like because suddenly this is the weirdest thing it's suddenly a guy who built a career on the phrase doing what's in the best interest of the football team and putting in players into position to Mm -hmm. succeed and, you know, had offenses and players. And now he just is looking at a guy that's really good and not trying to get him the ball. And, you know, it's so stupid. Like the whole insinuation there from the agent, like I'd fire the agent, first of all, like Nikhil Harry needs some help from a parent, an advisor, a friend, a Herm Edwards, like Herm Edwards should have called him and been like, Fire your damn agent. Get out of this mess. Show up to training camp, bust your ass, fight for a spot on the roster. That's another thing that I was thinking, like, the wide receiver position is wide open. Like, he could have came back to training camp, said, I'm a changed man. Like, I'm fresh start. Like, I'm going to bust my ass. I did this different, this different. Like, I'm going to make this team. I'm going to be a number one, number two receiver. Because he, with a good training camp, who's to say he couldn't elevate the depth chart and be a number two, number three on this roster? And instead, it's almost like he's quitting with a good camp and a good start, like he could be the number one. Like he should be. He's supposed to be the number one. He was a first round pick, the second receiver taken, the only first round pick of the Belichick. Like the whole thing should scream year three jump. Okay, first year was a lost cause. You missed the season, you were injury, the first half, blah, blah. Last year, blame blame Cam Newton. COVID, Cam Newton, whatever. Like sell yourself, sell that topic, like create a positive story around yourself but he has created like a negative story, a detriment to, to me, his team himself. Like you think he doesn't thing. like the Patriots culture and he wants out. Oh, no question. He doesn't. Yeah. There's no question. And I know Curran's kind of talked about that. And, you know, I've talked about that going back just to the, every time he's nicked up in practice and going to the trainer. And I just, I don't think, and even those comments we just referenced about mm-hmm. like not feeling pressure or comparing himself or these like, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he fits in the Patriot way. And this this is going to go down as arguably the biggest bust of the Belichick era, I think. Well, then now for the Patriots, like, do you even trade him? Like, like I think their Jeremy Fowler talked to a guy. He said that a conditional six is what you're going to get for him. Yep. At that, at that point, when you just kind of hold on to him as your fourth or fifth receiver and hope you get something, like, it's I not. Wouldn't. I don't wouldn't. think he fits. I don't think he fits anywhere. I don't think. 
I don't think Josh McDaniels would miss him. I don't think Mick Lombardi would miss him. No, I, I don't think that either. I'm just saying from the case of like that he tried to embarrass the Patriots with that statement. So why don't they kind of fire back and just kind of let him sit? Because I think he's a detriment to the team. Uh, I, I don't I, I wouldn't trade him for the conditional pick. I would want to trade him. I've said this a lot for a, another bust, another player, another body, another. Can you even find that? Like the rest of the league knows he stinks. Yeah, but find somebody else that you think stinks, but you're not 100% sure. Like somebody, go back okay. to your files. Yeah, that'd be like, the ideal scenario, no question. I, I, and I think that's what it is. A trash for trash trade. Just take up, take a flyer. And I think that's more valuable because I don't want to count on my conditional pick that I need him to make their team and play an X number of games. Like I don't feel confident about what he brings to anything. Well, it would also look better on paper from the Patriot standpoint by saying we traded this guy for a player yep. as opposed to a conditional six round pick. Like, right. So that to me would be the idea and, and just find anybody, anybody, just a player who might be a special teams guy might be, I don't know. You just got to find something you can swap it for at this, but it's desperation mode. Just get rid of him. And uh, he told Josine Anderson, too, he's going to report to training camp. That's great. You know what? I'm going to report to our station tomorrow because our boss has scheduled me for a show. And that's kind of what you do when you have a job and responsibility. Like, I just, that was, so you're going to hold out? So you're going to accrue fines <laughs> that you're almost out of NFL paychecks. I don't know if someone wants to slap right. him in the face and tell him the paychecks are going to stop soon. And now not only are you approaching uh, the stoppage of paychecks, you want to build up where you actually owe the Patriots money, fifty to $40,000 a day, I think it is for him. Like, oh, good good plan, good plan, $40,000 a day. That makes a hell of a lot of sense. Like, obviously he's going to show up. And I don't I don't blame her. Like, he, somebody told her that. she Probably his agent because he seems so dumb. Right, right. But, like, and she doesn't have a, a job right now, I don't believe. She's kind of gone right. off on her own. Yes. So any little buzz or information she can get out there that's attributed to her or whatever, everybody reaches. I don't, I don't blame her at all for reporting it. She was told probably by his agent. So why not? It's just captain obvious. It's just, right. yeah, he's going to show up because his career might be over if he doesn't. So your prediction is that he's traded. Yeah. My prediction's a trade for a bag of balls. But when does that ball. happen? Like, cause he wants it before a training camp. Um, that's where I might make him uncomfortable for a little bit. If it were me, I'd be vindictive and make him be around for like a week and make him take the reps last in practice, put him at the bottom. And be like, yeah, we're working on something. We kind of yep. got it. Like, yep. uh, we'll see how it goes. I would, you effed with me a little bit. I'm going to F with you a little bit. And then I'll trade you for, I don't know, some guy I've never heard of that might have an upside. Uh, anything else related to Harry? Um, is it the biggest bust of the Belichick era? I mean, the other options have always been, Chad Jackson, yeah. Razai Dowling, Dominic Easley, um, Cyrus Jones, Cyrus, but this is a first, first round, round pick. pick. Yeah. And, and the buzz never drafted wide receiver in the first right. round, all that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I think, would probably say so. Yes. And you know, um, Cyrus Jones tore his ACL, Chad Jackson tore his ACL, Dominic Easley tore his ACL, Razai Dowling, he tears ACL. He had injuries. I mean, I know Harry missed time to start yeah, his but not a, not, a, not a serious injury. And I'm still not sure if he were good, he would have missed that time. I think if he were, like, wowing them in camp, he would have been on the roster but not on IR to start his rookie year. No, I remember that because I was down there for – it was in Tennessee for joint practices, and we were on the same flight home. Like, he flew back before the game yep. happened, and, I, like, he didn't do anything down there. Like, 
he, it seemed like more of like a, not a, I don't want to say like a mental thing, but he wasn't like fully invested. Right. I think the team was like, well, if you're not going to push this, then we're just going to send you home. So he's been basically healthy and basically done nothing in his career. So I think we can have that argument. Maybe we should have that. Is Nikhil Harry the biggest bust of the Bill Belichick era? But I guess we can't because technically he could still make the team be the number one receiver this year and catch, you know, right. 80 balls, technically. Uh, some of our – so I started a 21-question series. Um, yep. A couple – not controversial ones, but a couple of ones that my answer disagreed with the public's uh, perception, I guess, of how things will go. Okay. So I'll, I'll ask you, who will lead the Patriots in receptions? I'm going to say Jacoby Myers, but I don't feel great about it. I actually think it, it, it's going to be a tight race. I don't think they'll have 90 or 100 catches. Um, so I think the, the options are Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, James White, and that's probably it. I would say those three guys could all be in the running at like, you could enter December where they all have I don't know, 50 catches, something like that, 60 catches. That I, would be agree. I agree with everything you said, but I went with Jonu Smith. I want, believe me, I want it to be Jonu Smith. I think he is the guy who's most capable of being the centerpiece of the offense and having a breakout year. But I was kicked in the proverbial cookies by the fact that he didn't come to OTAs and he didn't do a damn thing in minicamp. That's, that's fair. I, I just feel like I jokingly said, well, Randy Moss, 81, he didn't do anything. And then he just, you know, had a break, you know, blow up year, crazy year, 23 touchdowns. He's not Randy Moss. He's no. a young, talented player looking to have his best season to earn his contract. I just, I'm worried that it's already going down a disappointing road. I just look at his athleticism and I think Joshua Daniels will have like a field day trying to get him the ball in space and use that athleticism. And I also think, just no matter who's at quarterback, it's easier to throw to tight ends. And I think so those guys are going to get a lot of chances to make plays. Well, and especially, I think he's going to move around a lot. I think we should, like, it's not crazy to go back and look at the Aaron Hernandez stuff. When, oh, that's kind of what I was thinking. And he's going to line up in the backfield. He might take some handoffs and end arounds and, you know, motion and motion in, motion out. And, in an effort to get him the ball in space as an athlete and get mismatches, get him on linebackers in a weird way, not all that different than um, what Alabama did last year. And why am I drawing a blank on the Heisman trophy winning wide, re uh, wide receiver? Cause if you I don't come up with this. You're fired. If you don't come up with this, you're fired Smith, right? Yes. Yes. What's his first name? This yeah. The what's wrong with us we were both devonta smith what were we what were we thinking i was gonna say devon smith but it, i knew it didn't uh devonte smith like remember the way they would move him around get him the ball steve sarkeesian yes it, he's a totally different player don't get me wrong there but they do different but, things and yeah. yeah i i could see some of that with john o smith and i want that to be the story i think the best case scenario for the 2021 patriots is you're right and john o smith leads the team in catches and touches and like impact but like you said it's not gonna be by a big margin like i'm not saying he's gonna catch no yeah, yeah he but. could be you know 71 catches which would be like 30 more than he's ever had right and then you could have 67 for james white or you could have 60 for hunter henry yeah and jacoby myers i just 
some of that is just me rooting for him because I do like him. But it's also I, he's your most dependable receiver. Like, right. Like, unless Nelson Aguilar or Bourne surprises us, like Myers is the guy that's probably going to get most of the opportunities there. From what I saw this spring, for Bourne to catch 75 passes, they'll have to throw him 200. <laughs> I, I mean, drops. I'm just off him after the spring, and that's not fair. Spring doesn't count. You know, yeah. that's a long ways away. Maybe his head was spinning, but um, – so no, I like that question because it. I think it's it's up in the air, and there's yeah, like Myers got the the vote in the poll, and Jonathan Smith wasn't even close. But I, I'm I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to have a career year. Yeah, and I hope he does because I hope that I think that'll. I'm looking for fun this season because I I don't know about you, but last year wasn't really all that fun on so many levels. Oh, yeah, I was going to say so many levels professionally, <laughs> like how we had to cover the team, but also like the actual team and the performances and the games. So my, if you have said, what are you looking for from the Patriots this year? Personally, just me, like selfishly would be fun. That would be my theme for the, like have fun, see fun. It's part of why I want Mac Jones to play. Cause to win me, that's games. fun. Like, I don't even care about the win games part. Uh, yeah. I, I well, all right. If the, at least the games are like entertaining. Yes. Last yeah. year stunk. Like the last month of the season was a joke. Because like, yeah, the win games part, Okay, so let's just say John U. Smith is good and they score some points and then the defense makes some plays but gives up some play. Like, I don't know. Like, it is what it is, but just be fun. And I think John U. Smith could be one of their more fun players. All right, another question that I had a different answer than most. Who will make the biggest year two jump? Biggest year two jump. So – Obviously, coming out of the spring, which means absolutely caducus, uh, Josh Uche is is one of the options. Yep. Because he was, you know, a gym hero and a try-hard shorts player in passing camps. Um, it's not... I, I, I went with him. So I'm putting it out there. It's not on when you, because I don't know if he can be much better. Like, That's kind of how I looked at it. And that's how, I looked at it. that's how I looked at it with Duggar. See, Duggar, I think, is the, sh- again, in my world of fun and hope, Duggar is the answer because. So you're saying he'd be like Derwin James. Derwin James or Jamal Adams or whatever these comparisons are. And even the guys around him, the Adrian Phillipses and the way they talk about him or the Patrick Chung things and all that. So to me, if he takes that next step and. I also think he and Phillips will benefit greatly that the overall defense is better and Hightower and Van Oy and yeah, like they Phillips, don't have Phillips to won't be playing linebacker on every right. play. And I think for Duggar, that will also help him where like, you don't go in and say, what do we need this week? You go in saying, how can we attack the other team and what can Duggar do as part of that? So like hone his role more to his skills than what you need. Not so I'm going to say Duggar. I've talked probably, myself into Duggar. Okay. I I could see that. And I think that's a good point with Phillips and Duggar, where last year was more of how can we survive this week? Whereas now it can be, how can we use your skills to make our defense even better? Right. Because I mean, you can talk yourself into we're back to one of those years where front to back are there 18 players that you could say could have key roles and each week picking where those 18 players fit in does their role grow which situations are they on the field more and 
oh, this is a dugger in the box week, or this is a dugger this week, or this is Josh Uche might have a matchup as an edge rusher, like whatever, however that all fits together. So I, I think that'll benefit both of them. I think Uche will benefit too, because Uche, he can be him and looked at as how can he help us rather than like Juwan Bentley, same thing. He can go back to being a run stuffer, running down, situational player because Hightower, Judon, Vanoy, these guys are all on the field with more regularity. But from where you started the year two jump question, I'm going Duggar. I'm going to say Duggar is a Pro Bowl caliber safety this year. Yeah, might have been a little strong. but Yeah, I think Uche could go from having, I think it was half a sack or one sack last year to upwards of five because kind of like what you said, he can have he'll benefit from having Van Noy and Hightower that he'll get probably better matchups, can probably be used differently. Like he, his strength is going after the passer. They can kind of let him loose more. So I think kind of what we said about Phillips and Duggar applies to Uche as well. And another question that I don't think you've done yet, or I'm not even sure is on our list of questions, because it's probably not quite as sexy, but similar to receptions or rushing. I think you could have a very good legitimate debate who is going to lead the Patriots in sacks this year and and what kind of number is that? Because Judon's never been, I think his career high is nine. Yep. If I'm, I don't believe he's ever I, been. A I don't think it's double digits. Right. And we don't know what say Uche is going to be year two. We don't know maybe what Winovich is going to be in a, in a pure pass rush role or whatever his role. We don't is. even know what Van Noy's role is. Right. And he's Van Noy's been like a six sack guy, high tower. You can get four or five out of, maybe you get five or six out of, you just said Uche. I just think so they could end up to the way I look at it, they could end up with a lot of sacks, but spread over, you know, eight, nine, 10 guys. And that would be the ideal case scenario for them. I would say in their defense, that's the Belichick dream. You know, I just posted a, a little linebacker preview on the website. To me, this is where he's always been at his best. And what he prefers is all these bodies that he can move around athletically, you know, different roles week to week. And, Oh, that guy's going to have, you know, even a few years ago when it was Collins, Vanoy, Hightower, those guys up front, you know, interceptions, forced fumbles, moving around. Hightower himself in minicamp when he, remember he had the the leaping interception and then like two plays later was in the backfield for what would have been a sack. So, um, yeah, I think, you know me, I'm I'm probably a little bit overboard positive with what the defense can be and what the defensive front can be, but I would I would add that to my uh, fun quotient for the season. Uh, any other, well, I guess let's Mac Jones and Cam Newton. Any, has your mind changed any with how you feel things are going to go? Like, does your gut say Mac Jones will start week one? Do you think the Brady game has any impact on it? Like what's, what's your feeling now two weeks out from training? Camp? I hate the, the, the narrative, the idea, the storyline that the Brady game has an impact on it and, Apparently the season doesn't start till after that game. And that's when you actually put the best players on the field and blah, blah, blah. I hate it. You know, I did my original mock draft. I mean, a roster projection and didn't have Cam Newton on it. I had Mac Jones. Cause I think Mac Jones can, should, and will be the starter. Um, you know, our guy, Mike Giardi said it to me. He corrected me when I said for the totality of the spring, Mac Jones was as good as Cam Newton. And he said, no, he disagreed. Mac Jones was better than Cam Newton in the totality of the spring. Okay, if that's the case, well, then I think Mac Jones is going to take the job and run with it because I think he's going to improve in late July and early August. So 
I don't know. All these people that keep telling me he's not going to play a single down. The yeah, ben I don't believe Bowen that at all. And, uh, Ian Rappaport. I think Ian Rappaport was just pure. Um, he's the left pocket. He says he's the mouthpiece. He does and says whatever they want. He did it that day after all the hype had built. Yeah, he, for Mac Jones. he was told by somebody to you know, pump the brakes on, on, on right. Mac Jones. One day after the hype train got out of control, he pumped the brakes for the team. He's a good league and team employee, and he did his job. That's great. Ben Volan has said similar, like in an ideal world, he never steps on the field. I don't understand that logic. That makes no yeah, sense. I, I don't understand that. I could believe like it's okay to slow play and make sure he's fully ready, but not the entire season. That's just no. you're wasting your first, your number 15 overall pick. Right. I And I thought forever what people told me is the value of a quarterback on his rookie contract and how you can build the whole team and blah. So start that process, right? I mean, I just – the rave reviews you're hearing out of uh, – LA now of Justin Herbert, mm. like start that process. So he gets his experience. He fuels sort of the hope who knows exactly how it all plays out winning wise this year. But then all of a sudden next year, there's not a single quarterback discussion. Mac Jones is your quarterback. The question is how good can he be? How good can your offense be in year two? So I'm all in on Mac Jones, but I reserve the right to change my opinion if he falls on his face early in camp. Do you see a scenario in any way, shape, or form that both Cam Newton and Mac Jones have roles in the offense on the same week? Yes. Even though I personally have my doubts as to how Cam Newton will fit in as a backup or a part-time player, um, I think a lot of people are starting to Rob Ninkovich. I, I know is yeah, on this. That's, train. That was my jumping off one. Yeah. I believe Christian Fourier is on this. I may need to clarify that with him tomorrow, but I believe Christian Fourier is a little bit on that. And he, he said he looked at something recently of cam on Twitter or Instagram. He said, he thinks cam looks bigger that he's added weight, which might fall in line with, I'm now a pure power runner, even as Ninkovich said, maybe I'm a goal line runner at times, sub packages. Maybe we're splitting um, splitting the operation here with Mac Jones. I guess I don't, I don't personally really like it. I don't I, like it because I think it never works, but I think Bill loves Cam that much that he's going to try and find a way to make him like look good in a way. But at what cost? Like, to the detriment of the team and I just okay let's just say that happens do I can't see Cam be fully embracing the role and being like super happy all the time and like I'm just here to help the ball club yeah but if they get if he's really put on weight then he seems to be all in on that scenario right but that could also just be I'm putting on weight because I'm a runner now I'm a power runner like that's the most important part of my game. So I need to accentuate that part of my game, but I just feel, and, and maybe I'm being super like wussy here, like the, the emotional or the, the attitude side of it, what cams attitude would be. And then I get to, would there be any detriment to Damian Harris in year three? If he's like, wait a minute, that really should be my touchdown on the goal line. Like if we were a normal offense, Mac Jones would hand that to me and I'd run it in off tackle and, you know, Cam's got his eight touchdowns. Like they say in fantasy, what is it? A uh, uh, poacher touched it, you know, poaching touchdowns on the goal line, those types of things. So I don't know. I'm with you. I don't think it like, what's the best example 
of it working, of it being good, like two quarterbacks or a Taysom Hill. Yeah, is it though? Like, I'm I'm not saying it's great. I'm just that's the only one to really point to. To me, that's a totally different scenario because you had a Hall of Fame goat quarterback who also is like nice and and amicable and like not a hothead and not like. Maybe that is. I just I don't see this working in that. And the other thing is the, the Taysom Hill side of it as like he wasn't a fading superstar like Cam right. Newton. Like there's just so much role reversal in this situation. I find it hard to believe it would work. I do. I'm with you. Uh, anything you want to tease? Um, or the get to? Yeah. Oh. No. I'm this week. I'm planning on unveiling and doing and posting. On Friday, I won't tell you what day today is because it's a podcast. They're timeless. But on Friday on WEI.com, <laughs> um, I'm going to do my ranking the roster. So I'm not going to tell you because I want people to read mine. But I'm going to ask you. Let's just throw it out there. Top of your head, reaction, limited thought. I want you to just react and give me your top five Patriots. Ooh. Not number- necessarily in order. No, I want them in order. Number one, the best Patriot. Stefan Gilmore. If he shows up. Okay. And, um, they're all, they have a lot of like all in the same like mold. And you have some questions like. Well, rephrase this. Is this best player or like most important? Best player. On when who has to be up there. Holy crap. A second year guard is in your top two. I'd say two. This is not. This is not. Let's this is order order here. One, two, three. Gil, Gilmore is one. I'm just throwing names out there, and I can play with the order afterwards. Hightower, oh. right? Hightower has to be in there. I don't know. He's been away from a year. I don't know how good he is. He was good before that. Um, like this is hard. Like they have a bunch of like five to fifteens. You know what I mean? They don't have like the guys that break out from everybody. And you get into, and this is the debate I've always gotten into with a lot of people, even people internally with the Patriots who used to very much enjoy when I did this for Patriots Football Weekly. Um, Like, because a guy is good at his job. Like Jake Bailey. Jake Bailey, Matthew Slater, Joe Cardona. Like, Matthew Slater may be really good at his job. Jake Bailey may be the best Patriot at his job, but does that mean he's the best Patriot? Like, does he get to be ahead of Gilmore or Hightower or – Whoever else, I still can't believe you put on when you in the top five. Yeah, I don't know if I'm really willing to go there yet. Okay, well, I don't want to ruin it because people want people to read yours. Um, so I won't make you say like Devin McCourty. Is he in there? Um, I don't know. I, I have to really put some thought into this, and then it also gets into a little bit of sort of like with the NFL's top 100 that they do. And they do it late. Am I ranking what you did last year? What I think you're going to do this year? Do I like, because like your guy, Jonu Smith, if he leads the team in receptions in his first five guy, shouldn't he be a top five Patriot? Right. Well, that's kind of like Hunter Henry. I want to put him there, but I don't know what he's going to be. He's probably in that like five to 10 range. Right. So I think there's some of that, like you're projecting how they fit with, or Kyle Duggar. Okay, last year was his, like, you know, first impression. Now he's ready to be as good as he can be. How high does that push him up a list? 
I think it's a fun exercise. And then, then you get into the middle and you're trying to differentiate between like Alex Redmond, the veteran backup guard versus, you know, Raekwon McMillan, the linebacker and all yeah. of those guys. And who's last is always fun too. Who you put in the dead last spot. One of the last, one of like the offensive linemen, right? Defensive linemen. Well, actually, well, do they do they still have the the long snapper still on the roster? Uh, backup long snapper. I think they got rid of him. West Farnsworth. Yeah, they got rid of him. They got rid of him and one of the kickers, right? Yeah, Aguayo, right? Aguayo. So they still have Norden Quinn. Yep. Norden. Quinn, yep. I just want to point out, just real quick here, I can remember the effing backup kicker undrafted whatever you can't remember the heisman trophy winner the heisman trophy winner who went what sixth overall in the draft like cte is a crazy thing in my brain so back to your original question i'm gonna go with this isn't in order because i i'm putting you have to do it in order all right all right jesus gilmore is one okay high towers two a year off and he's two jake bailey's three punter three Devin McCourty's four, and I'm giving a lot of, like, leadership aspects into that. I don't care for that. And five, I guess I have to go John O. Smith because I said he'd lead the team in receptions. Wait a minute. Michael Onwenu went from two to falling out of your top five. All right, then put him at five. <laughs> put him at five. You don't have a lot of conviction here because I keep saying things and you immediately change your – Well, because you, you put me on the spot, number one, and number two, I think this is a hard exercise. It is. It's very hard, and – but that's why I think it's fun. It's like a debate. Um, like you could very easily do this thing out and have like Hunter Henry like 15th. Well, yes. Yeah, you could. And like you could be embarrassed. Like what oh, if totally. Devin McCourty gets old overnight and right. you have him as your third best player, fourth best player? Like, right. But I think it's fun. And that's part of the reason I want to do it Friday is I'm on the radio in the afternoon on OMF. And I think it could be a fun discussion. I think I'm on with Fitzy and Ordway. Um, it's a good, that's a good exercise. Like, and have everybody else do it too. Like there's obviously going to be some differing opinions. Like there's, oh, yeah. no way, there's no way somebody's going to have the same top five. Right. And it's, it's great to do. It's useless. There's absolutely zero value in it. But I also think it's like, I even, I asked Christian Fourier yesterday, cause we were actually having a discussion about Stephen A. Smith and should he get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And it delved into no matter what you do, sports, business, you know, there's stars, there are regular people, there are expendable people. So I asked Christian, I said, when you were on the Patriots, where did you rank on the roster overall? And he goes, I don't know, 30s, mid 30s, in the top 30s. And I think it's funny, like he had an answer right away. Like he would put himself as the 30th best Patriot at that time. And now the other tight end, Jermaine Wiggins, probably having himself like the top 10. Uh, I would assume if you asked him, he'd also probably have Cam Newton in the top five on this team right now. And that's another exercise. When do I put the quarterbacks in? When do I think they slot in? Not how important are they? Because if you do importance, they're near the top of the list. Top five. Importance are in the top five. Right. But if you're just saying at their job, talent wise, whatever, when do the quarterbacks sneak their way into this list? So that'll be Friday, WEI.com. I'm looking forward to that. Um, we should mention joint practices. They're having them with the Eagles. They formally announced that this week. We they we think they're going to have them with the Giants, but that hasn't been official yet. Um, I guess it's a good thing to have joint practices. Like that's probably Great. they put more emphasis in that in the games. I think it's even more important with the quarterback competition where you can kind of 
put these guys in positions that you want them to and not depend on the game for them to happen because they normally don't. Right. And we've seen that over the years where Bill puts as much or more emphasis on the joint practice sessions than he does the games themselves. Um, you know, the little anecdotal thing, you'd rather practice against these teams than play them in the Super Bowl. Cause when you play them in the Super Bowl, you lose to them, the giants and the Eagles. But um, no, I think it's interesting. And the one part that intrigues, like Joe judge, obviously Belichick assistant, even has set a culture. There may be a rising team in New York, whatever you think of them. The Eagles are a total unknown, including, I can't tell you the name of their coach, but he's Ronnie. Yeah. The guy who had that weird opening press conference where he. Yeah. The the Colts offensive coordinator, right. Could not have been less like of a leader and confident and we're going to be smart and we're going to have schemes, but not too smart. They're going to be like, remember when he babbled about, it was awful. Well, it was also among these same lines. Joshua Daniels is going to the organization that told him no and took this guy over him. Right. And gets to practice. It's going to be, I find that a little bit of a unique dynamic Belichick. And my guess is all the practices will be run exactly how Bill Belichick wants. I was just going to say, I think the (laughs) next running say, Bill, what do you want today? (laughs) Okay. Hey, Nick, is it Nick? Is that what you said? Yeah. Nick. Yeah. Hey, Nick, here's the schedule. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Coach. Thanks coach. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, those are important. Like, are you going to uh, go to the Eagles practices? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't. I don't even think we're allowed to travel yet as a couple. Oh, okay. Okay, good to know. So, uh, that, could that change? Maybe we'll see. Okay, because I do think the joint practices are the most valuable part of the preseason and the the summer and the building up to the season and getting to know people and competition and you know even to the point where. Maybe you can sell the Eagles. It's late in the process a little bit, but like sell the Eagles on Nikhil Harry. Maybe you can have one good practice and you can trade Nikhil Harry to the Eagles. Or It's true. We've like always seen how those joint practices always pan out. Like usually it's the next year. Like, oh, we saw this guy at joint practice. Right. We're going to get him. But you're right. Maybe they try to say, hey, take a look at him. He's available. You want right. him? You want him? Anything? Anything? Just offer anything, something. <laughs> and this guy, he stinks in your roster, but I think we kind of like him. So how about right. a but no, I look forward to those. I, are you looking forward to um, kicking things off, getting camp and everything going, or are you disappointed that summer's over? No, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just, well, I guess well, this is a little deep. I want to see how things look from our perspective in the media and how it's going to be covered. We don't know yet. Like it's right. not gonna be, it's going to be, we assume better than last year, but don't know how things are going to go logistically. Like I want to see how that looks too. Yeah. Just to to give fans an idea. It sounds like, we're going to be at practices. There'll be a group of close. There'll be at least 50 reporters at practice. Right. And you and I may not be in the same group or whatever, but I think there'll be times where we'll both be at practice and be able to. I would to say offer. we should be at practice every day. We both can attend. Right. You know, and have observations yeah. and what the interviews will be like. That's a separate issue. That's my question. Like, right. Because they're pushing in-person interviews, but the Patriots are in a different situation with how many people cover the team that that might not happen. Right. But for the purposes of this kind of, we'll be able to observe practice and come up with opinions on players and competitions and roles and things of that nature. Even if we don't maybe get to know the players and interviews and do those things as much as traditional training camps have. The part that I liked most about training camp is just how you can get a one-on-one interview every day. Yeah. That's, 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 you can request a player. I want to talk to this player and probably 80% of the time you get that player. You can do what you want. You get, it's, it's a laid back kind of atmosphere. Like you get right. 
you get the most bang for your buck during training camp. Yeah, that's over. I would say so too. Those days are dead. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I do lament the end of summer a little bit, but uh, I am looking forward to getting back out there and assessing the team. And as I said, my theme for the year, fun. Very simple. Fun. I think the players would like that too. Well, they don't do that around here, says Cassius. Well, I was just going to say, we probably should mention his comments. Like, Should we? Should we really? Why? To me, the, the, a lot of the replies on Twitter were like, I don't remember this guy. Who is this guy? Come on. All these people know who he is. You, but that's as saying you don't remember him or saying you've never heard of him is equally exaggerative. As him saying he's the, he's the most fifth hated player. five most right. hated player. Yeah. He doesn't rank on anybody's radar if you just did a poll no one would say yeah Cassius Marsh I hated him they would just say right he's that a-hole right he's the guy who I hated him once once he left because he hates hated the team apparently didn't want to work apparently for some reason didn't get to eat as much as he wanted which I don't think is they have those things on Fridays like that that whole story was wrong he's full of crap he's exaggerating now it can be that it was a hard place to work. Bill says that. Bill says that more than anyone. It's yeah. a hard place to play. I'm a hard guy to play it's not for. for everybody, and it just wasn't right. Cash Marsh. But he fed you. Don't pretend you didn't get to eat. I've heard so many players rave about the opposite. Like there's so much food. They have a great cafeteria. The nutritionist is great. They do the like, Fat Fridays where they got Chick Fil A right. and all that yeah. other good stuff. So, like, I mean, he needs to just get over himself. Plus, he stinks. That's the bigger issue. And he's on his eighth NFL team in like seven seasons. And the reason for that is he's not very good. And I bet you he's a pain in the ass a little bit. No, no question. So he needs to look in the mirror. Him and Nikhil Harry should sit down and have a discussion. Well, I heard that. Yeah, he's not, um, he doesn't deserve this, this attention. I agree. He's out. Uh, anything else before we wrap this up? No, sir. I'm right. ready for football to go. Uh, check out your thing on Friday. I'm looking forward to that, the ranking stuff. And uh, well, we're on the roster now. It's only 85 now, right? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. Make sure you double check that. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, I always worry about is where do I double check it? Because if you use patriots.com, sometimes they're wrong. I used to work there. I know it happens. The webmaster misses things on occasion. <laughs> so I don't even, I, I'll have to get, I'll send, ask the PR department to send. Yeah. yeah so we just send one of those guys an email saying, can I have an official roster? Official roster so I can rank them. Plus I need to, have something to actually cross off as I use the guys. So I don't like, I've had that happen before you get to like 57 and you're like, Oh, I didn't put James white on the list. Right, right. You got to go back and start over. All right. So check that out Friday. Uh, we'll, might have a podcast next week. Might not. If there's some, if there's stuff to talk about, we'll have a podcast. If not, you might have to wait another week, but then once that next week comes, we're full on training camp. We'll probably have multiple podcasts weeks and probably some guests. Like we'll be, we'll be ready to go. Damn right. But if nothing happens next week, I'll be on the beach with a Miller Lite in my hand. There you go. All right. We'll talk to you later. See you.